Hi, this is Sam Garman. And this is Michael Soto. You are listening to Transform. The podcast where we explore the stories and experiences of folks who are transgender. Beyond the transition. One, two, three, four. What did your mom say? What is your real name? How about those drugs that you take? And does your voice change? How come you don't feel ashamed? What kind of love do you make? But you don't care about my answers. Your questions ignore me. Let me tell you a story. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about um, an incident that happened uh, just a couple weeks ago, that feels really relevant to to talk about because it impacts not only um, the person that we're talking about, but also I would say hundreds and thousands of other folks um, living in detention centers in ISIS custody currently. So, if you haven't heard about Roxana Hernandez, uh, she was a Honduran transgender woman who traveled with the caravan, the Central American caravan that I think many of us have heard about if you've been paying attention at all, um, and she entered the states um, and asked for asylum uh, at the end of May, um, and she died in ISIS custody. And so uh, we're going to talk about her story a little bit and, um, and the story of actually many, several transgender people who, were, uh, who migrated to the U.S. and then, um, and then experienced custody with ICE. We're also going to talk to an immigration lawyer who helps folks seek asylum uh, in the U.S. to talk about what that looks like and how folks do that. I think that there's a lot of misinformation out there, so it'll be good to get that perspective. Um, And we'll do our ally moment at the end. So just as a warning, there might be some folks listening who have experienced issues um, within detention or who may have experienced abuse by systems like ICE. Um, And we're going to be talking about some of those systems. And so if that's something that doesn't feel like it would be safe for you to listen to right now, we encourage you to catch us next week. Uh, We think these are really important issues, so we want to talk about it. But we also want to make sure that everyone is real clear about what's going to happen in this episode and so that you can take the Take the steps that make you feel safest in your mental health. Roxana Hernandez uh, was a Honduran woman who joined the Pueblo Sin Fronteras uh, caravan of Central American migrants um, in Guatemala. Um, She traveled uh, from that point with the caravan to Tijuana, Mexico, um, and arrived there on April 29th, um, along with several thousand other migrants seeking um, asylum um, or and residency in the United States. Um, she then was, uh, she officially sought asylum and was brought into the United States on May 9th um, and was transferred into quickly into ICE's um, custody. Um, she was taken to New Mexico. Um, and we actually just want to stop and point out that like, we'll talk to this immigration lawyer about this issue as well, but this is actually the way you seek asylum in the U.S. Uh-huh. You present yourself to the border. This is this is the process. It's not as though this is like trying to subvert the process. This is the process. You present yourself at a border right. asking for asylum, which Roxana did on May 9th. Right. So she followed all the rules um, and she was doing this the way that our system allows this to happen. Um, so on May 13th, uh, she was 
officially uh, put into ISIS custody um, and was transferred to New Mexico um, on uh, during sometime between the 13th and the 17th <laughs> was transferred to New Mexico to the uh, det- detention facility there, um, the Cibola detention facility, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a private prison that contracts with ICE, but they have what they call the transgender unit, yeah, which is where trans folks are sent, um, which... I, I got a lot of questions about how that's working, but yeah, there's not a lot of info on that, unfortunately. Especially because it's a private detention center in prison. Um, they're not necessarily held to the same level of scrutiny. Uh, massive problem uh, with mm-hmm. the privatization of uh, prisons and detention centers. Um, so on May 17th, uh, Roxana was uh, transferred to the hospital wing of the facility. Um, she was hospitalized uh, for um, pneumonia, dehydration and complications from HIV, um, which Sam and I were uh, wondering aloud a few moments ago, how on earth someone who's in state uh, custody is allowed to become dehydrated. Uh, That seems outrageous in and of itself, um, let alone perhaps not given uh, adequate care in every way. Um, Sometime between May 17th and May 25th, Roxana was transferred to the intensive care unit of an Albuquerque hospital. On May 25th, she died of cardiac arrest at that hospital. Um, So several uh, organizations have offered statements, um, including uh, Pueblo Sin Fronteras, the organization that organized the caravan, um, and they had this to say. So in the Pueblo Sin Fronteras statement, it said, Roxy died due to medical negligence by U.S. immigration authorities. In In other words, she was murdered. Um, which feels rather correct, quite frankly. Um, She uh, arrived in this country um, in reasonably good health, as, as, you know, good of health as anyone who has chronic illness and is traveling was in. Um, And then during this process where she should have had all of the care and uh, needs, all of her medical needs and other needs met, um, somehow her, her body and her spirit deteriorated to a point where um, she shortly after arriving here dies from um, complications from a very manageable illness. Yeah. And I think, you know, this, we have a lot of questions about Roxana's death for sure. Um, and then there's a lot to look into there and we are 100% um, in support of the organizations who are seeking justice for her and her death. Um, but we also have a lot of questions at this point about how well ICE can handle detaining LGBTQ folks. Um, This is a population that is already at high risk of um, assault and sexual assault. Um, Putting them also in a prison or detention facility increases that risk. Um, And we have lots of questions about ICE in general, which we could get into, um, but we won't because we want to really look at this one particular thing about ICE um, as it relates to today's episode, which is whether or not they are capable of caring for transgender and gender non-conforming folks at their facilities. Um, and based on our research, we would say that the answer is no. Yeah, uh, and uh, other advocacy organ- other, uh, trans advocacy organizations like the Transgender Law Center um, uh, and Transcore Pueblo here locally um, are have all come to the same conclusion and are asking that ICE is no longer um, allowed to detain specifically transgender women and, and other transgender folks, um, but perhaps that needs to extend to um, 
at a minimum, all LGBTQ <laughs> uh, migrants uh, seeking help here in the United States, if not everyone. Uh, perhaps ICE um, has uh, is not a useful extension of our government and tax dollars and uh, power as a country. <laughs> perhaps we should have that conversation as well. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of questions about her her care while in the while in detention, but Pueblo Sin Fronteras, who was working with her closely, um, described her conditions um, while she was in the detention center, and they said she was cold, lacked adequate food or medical care, and was held in a cell with the lights turned on 24 hours a day, and they called the detention center a, quote, icebox. Um, that is the definition of torture Um, and when you're in new mexico this time of year you got to work really hard to get a facility to what we what one might reasonably call an icebox like there's a lot of air conditioning required for that that is that's not the natural state of things here in the southwest this time of year it is hot really hot Uh and so for that to be done that has to be really intentional um and that is that that is actually torture that is the textbook definition of torture to do that to someone's body our bodies are not meant for that absolutely yeah and michael and i went to the the protest and vigil for roxana that uh, transqueer pueblo hosted here in phoenix on tuesday night um, and we heard from four other women uh, transgender women who had been in ice custody in detention centers all different detention centers, so not just this one in New Mexico, who described conditions that were shockingly similar to this. Mm-hmm. And every one of them mentioned, quote, the ice box, yeah. which makes it sound like that is something that they just refer to the room that they put trans folks in as. Um, and that, to me, is so troubling. Um, and it makes me so ill, and it makes me furious to think that you know, oh, you're escaping from a country where your life is in danger every day because of your gender expression and gender identity. You've come here. You've sought asylum. We're going to throw you in this room that is so cold that you could ostensibly call it an icebox, and we're just going to leave you there with the lights on 24 hours a day. Right. That's inhumane. It's inhumane. It's cruel. And it is um, it is contrary to what I think any uh, humane and ethical, moral human being would think should be the reception of people who are in distress, who are fleeing for their lives, possibly um, from their country of origin, what they should receive (laughs) when they come to a country that's supposed to be welcoming, right? That's supposed Mm -hmm. to embrace immigrants um, and especially embrace people who are um, escaping human rights issues and uh, life-threatening situations in their countries of origin. Um, So it just seems completely barbaric in that sense and uncalled for in every respect um, for any any migrant, any immigrant seeking help, um, and especially cruel for very vulnerable people like transgender women. that we heard this this sort of pattern in the story and this phrase even of icebox repeated um, by many uh, by pretty much every speaker at at the um, vigil and rally that we went mm-hmm. to um, just really shows that this is an institutional practice that this is how um, the ICE as an institution believes transgender people should be treated um, which is disgusting um, mm-hmm. and needs to be that we need to stop that immediately. That should not be allowed to happen um, to anyone, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, I think there is there is something about the way that we treat those who are the most vulnerable that says a lot about who we are as people. Um, and even, you know, 
Jesus talked about the what you would do unto the least of these, you mm-hmm. do unto me. Yep. I mean, this this population, a migrant transgender woman, it, that is really the the population that is most vulnerable and most in need of help, yeah. and are choosing um, to treat people that way is uh, it's abhorrent. Like yeah. it is. And it and it makes me really ill, and it's something that I have been writing to my Congress people and senators about on a daily basis. Right. Um, I would encourage you to do the same thing, listeners, um, because that that is you know it's one way to to reach out and make try and make some change. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of our elected officials, um, 19 members of Congress uh, wrote a letter um, stating that they have deep concerns about this situation, um, about. Um, both Roxana's passing away or being murdered by an institution of the American government, um, as well as the sort of general conditions that maybe that we are learning uh, exist uh, in ICE detention facilities. Um, so um, continue to call, to write, um, to speak to our personal representatives, as well as cheer on these uh, 19 members of Congress who have done this already, um, if they aren't already one of your members of Congress, um, showing support for for folks who are in positions of power, who are standing up for um, the least of these highly marginalized people is an important thing to do as community members. Yeah. And I think also um, it it bears noting that in this caravan that Roxana traveled with, uh, there were roughly 25 other transgender and gender non-conforming folks um and we have a lot of questions about their treatment um and so i would you know include in those letters a call for an investigation into what is happening with those people absolutely Um, you know we can't afford like it it's not appropriate for people to be dying in ice custody like that's just that's not okay right so we need to do something about that and do better and roxana is the sixth person to die in ice custody since october of 2017 um so this is this is a uh, institutional problem this is not a one case phenomenon um it was not roxana's fault that she died um by any means it was not her doing um and absolutely ice as an institution needs to be held responsible for her death as well as the death of anyone who dies in their custody yes absolutely um and so we're gonna do we've got some interviews with folks that we met at the vigil on tuesday night um who shared their stories with us they were um, incredibly lovely and generous to take their time to, to share with us. Um, many of them don't have documentation, and so they're sort of risking themselves uh, by sharing their stories. And so we were very grateful that they are willing to do that. Um, and we'll let them tell you a little bit about their experience, but also about um, why this is an issue that we all should care about. So we really hope their stories resonate with you. Mi nombre es Karina Jaramillo, mi pronombre es femenino ella y soy coordinadora de liberación para Transcurrir Pueblo. So why why did uh, TQP organize this important event? Um, and you can speak in Spanish or English, whichever you prefer, and we'll translate as needed. So. We're here because another trans woman died and it was in a detention center. I've also been in a detention center where I felt like my life was going to end. Where I felt like a judge's decision was going to put me in this grip of losing my life in my country. 
but we know that she didn't die in her own country. She was running from that, and here she was met with death. So we want to uplift her voice as a trans woman. As a trans woman, who unfortunately is no longer with us. She's with us in spirit. Just a bit ago, we called her name so she could be here with us, so that she could know that she was, that we were here fighting for her, fighting for our rights as a trans community. It's been impactful. Like there are moments when you feel all of this energy, all of this magnitude of force and power that we have. So I think that's what pushes us forward, to be able to have the strength, to be able to come here and stand in front of detention centers and demand what we're asking for, right? That they close the detention centers, that they put an end to the detention and deportation of our LGBT community, specifically our trans women. We know that ICE doesn't know how to handle us. We know that ICE doesn't know how to deal with the medications that we need. It was so simple. A person with HIV has options. There are resources. There's medications that her friend needed but was denied to her. And then she suffered the consequences of pneumonia and unfortunately lost her life. And nobody's done anything. Nobody's going to do anything just like in the past. So we're here again to speak out to make it possible so that tomorrow, or whatever moment, we can end this. Put an end to the detention and deportation of our LGBT community. Thank you. sure that we're um, talking with our audience about why uh, we need to make um, ending ICE and ending uh, deportation of uh, migrants and immigrants a trans issue, um, and why Roxana's death, and why everyone who dies in ICE custody and as a part of that process is a trans issue. We also want to explain to our audience why this issue is a trans issue, how immigration, how detention, how what happened with Roxana is an issue that they have to import because it's also an issue of the trans community, it's not an issue so we're wondering if you could share a little bit. Um, we got you speaking a little bit, but we want if you could say a little bit more or if there's anything that you'd want to share with our audience about um, why this is a critical issue um, and what the trans community can do to be a part of this movement. Entonces queríamos ver si pueden compartir un poco de sus historias. Tomamos un poco cuando hablaron allí, pero más um, de por qué esto es un asunto crítico, por qué esto es un asunto muy importante, lo que pasó con Roxana um, y por qué nuestra comunidad trans tiene que hacer algo y qué pueden hacer. Um, también nomás para agregar un poco la comunidad, mucha de la comunidad trans de que ellos hablan es mucha gente blanca. So también, you said it was a lot of white face. Okay. Um, so ¿Qué mensaje les gustaría darle? ¿Por qué esto es importante? ¿Y por qué importa que ellos se involucren en este asunto también? Bueno, creo que el darle importancia no solamente al contexto transgénero 
es importante, sino que también que las entidades públicas y del gobierno tomen un poco de conciencia. It is not only it is not only important and it, this is not only a trans issue um, in just the context of it being a transgender issue but the what's happening with these agencies and these institutions and their lack of conscience on what they're doing um, pues que creen un poco de conciencia la comunidad transgénero o la comunidad LGBT siempre ha sido vulnerable ante la sociedad To create conscious about these agencies and what they're doing, the transgender community, but also the LGBTQ community overall, has always been vulnerable to these systems. Y creo que de cierta forma debemos, como comunidad, hacer este tipo de incidencia política ante estas entidades del gobierno. And as a community, it is important for us to do this type of displacement, this type of, this type of show, this type of showings and presence um, for these institutions to be able to see. Y creo que es importante que si nos tomamos un poco de tiempo y pedimos el apoyo de la comunidad en, en general, creo que vamos a poder lograr uh, crear un poco de conciencia. And if we take some of our time, make some time sacrifice, and invite our community to join us, um, that our community will show up and that our community together will be able to help these agencies create some kind of conscious and moral dilemma. Okay. Mi nombre es Michelle. My name is Michelle. Eh, pronombres femeninos. Feminine pronouns. Y les pido respeto, respeto and I ask for respect, respect LTGB, for all the community, for all the LGBTQ community. Como lo repito, As se I lo say it again, we give respect to all the community eh, in general, and all that we ask is que, for the same. And we ask these organizations, y a veces salimos you know, we tell all our community that we suffer a lot in there. No sienten, pero um, yo in, in these personal, detention centers, right? personal, maybe you'll never feel it. De, de, but de we pasé. suffer and I for pero example went through that experience and I still I'm not better from the trauma grande, that I experienced un muy para poder and we have a heart and if you have a heart and if you're, you know we need to understand each other as an LGBTQ community we would understand our experience as transgender community as well Gracias. I think that this is what we're doing is to inform all of the community in general for people to know that we also feel that we suffer that we're human beings Creo que como comunidad LGTB you know, merecemos respeto como nosotros se lo hemos dado a toda la comunidad en general. How we give people respect, everyone. Eh, estamos luchando we are fighting por nuestros derechos for our rights porque ha, hemos sido discriminados durante años y años gracias a, la, a, a los grupos de apoyo a las organizaciones, organizaciones estamos logrando un poco más de lo que antes no existía We're now en esta comunidad y seguir educando a toda la comunidad al gobierno porque el gobierno es parte de la comunidad también empezar a educar desde las familias hasta 
llegar hasta el gobierno porque es parte de este ciclo y educarnos acerca de lo que es LGBT o la comunidad LGBT y respetarnos unos a los otros que creo que no nos cuesta nada simplemente ser inteligentes y respetarnos The following audio is taken from the vigil. People introducing themselves, sharing their stories about why they came there. And then the organizers call people to join together and hear the stories of those who have been in detention. They tell their stories about small rooms and freezing temperatures, the lack of information. They talk about the importance of not keeping quiet, of the traumatic experiences, of the disrespect they face as transgender people in detention, of sometimes not being able to eat or to bathe, and the humiliation and degradation they experienced from the guards. They talked about leaving home to save their lives, of the people that they met in detention who had been there for months and sometimes years, of the importance of feeling safe in who you are and where you are, the letters that they received when they were in there that meant so much, and then the visits that they know mean even more. They talked about the demand to close detention centers and the demand to end the attacks on our trans community and LGBT community, about the necessity for liber about the necessity of liberation for trans lives. Karina says, we have a lot of work to do and we can't stop here. They begin to write letters to family and community members in detention to show them we're here. Another organizer points out that people are getting put in cells that are freezing, calls attention to the fact that Roxana had HIV before she was detained, but died after only five days in ICE. We don't know what condition she was in when she was taken in, but we know that ICE does not know how to take care, how to give us care, or treatment as humans. So we stand in solidarity with all people who face violence and death at the hands of police, ICE, and Border Patrol. Okay, entonces, este, muchas gracias. Vamos a seguir hablando un poquito más de las, este, de las historias. Y como Karina tuvo una, una historia también, ¿verdad? Pasó sus vivencias en centro de detención. Igual que yo, hay algunas chicas más, ¿no? Que vivieron diferentes experiencias y voy a invitar a algunas compañeras que están aquí, voy a invitar a, a Mili, bueno ahorita se presentará ella, que nos hable un poquito de qué es su, cómo fue su historia y qué fue lo que pasó en los centros de detención. Entonces, eh, somos limitadas 
tal vez por el hecho de ser transgéneros se nos discrimina un poco más o nos dan diferente trato dentro de las profesiones y creo que es importante el hablar porque si seguimos callando esto creo que estas instituciones nunca van a parar este tipo de injusticias y es bueno elevar la voz no solamente para una persona sino para toda la comunidad en conjunto gracias Todas las mujeres trans y toda nuestra comunidad LGBT tiene diferentes historias, diferentes vivencias. Entonces voy a invitar a nuestra compañera Michelle. También nos va a hablar un poco de qué fue su, su trato ¿no? en los centros de detención. Hola, muy buenas tardes. Mi nombre es Michelle. Yo estuve en el centro de, de, de detención en Vegas. Este, fue un proceso muy, muy, tal vez traumático para mí porque... Los policías se comportan de una forma tan errónea, nos, eh, no nos tratan con respeto, nos tratan muy mal por ser solamente transgenders. Este, eh, mi historia la siguiente, estuve en un, pues, me pusieron en un, en un piso donde estuvieron los criminales de alta peligrosidad. Fue algo muy traumático para mí porque no me daba, no podía salir a... a a bañarme, no podía salir a comer por el mismo miedo. Este, después de eso me, me llevaron a las oficinas de migración, a la cárcel de migración. Yo estuve en la cárcel general de Vegas. Me llevaron a, a, la, cárcel, a la cárcel de migración donde hubo abuso de los policías verbalmente, donde los policías me estaban ofreciendo así a sus compañeros, como si yo, como prostituta, este, fue algo que quedé también en shock porque nunca lo había visto. Este, los policías le decían uno al otro, hey, ¿cuánto le vas a dar esto y el otro? Entonces, debemos de parar esto porque realmente es algo injusto para nuestra comunidad LTGB que estemos pasando esto y para toda la comunidad que existe en este mundo. Gracias. situaciones, ¿verdad? Diferentes vivencias, experiencias y claro, todo es traumático y, y no pensamos en eso, ¿verdad? A la sociedad, a la policía, ay, se les hace como una gracia, como algo que no existe, algo que no vale. Entonces, por eso estamos aquí, ¿verdad? Para, para exigir, no tan solo un buen trato, lo que estamos exigiendo otra vez es el, uh, el cierre a estos centros de detención, poner fin a la detención y a la deportación de nuestra comunidad LGBT y en general. Entonces, este, como saben, Transcur Pueblo también trabajamos en el desarrollo de liderazgo y algunas de estas mujeres trans en conjunto conmigo han sido parte de todo este maravilloso desarrollo de liderazgo, tener presencia y visibilidad para nuestra comunidad, no ser parte de una sociedad, ser parte de algo, ser alguien en la vida. Entonces voy a invitar a algunos participantes de los proyectos de Transcur Pueblo a que hablen un poquito de su experiencia y voy a invitar a David a que nos hable de cómo ha sido su, este, su historia y, y todo lo que ha vivido ahora ¿no? aquí con Grand School Pueblo. Adelante David. Buenas tardes, soy David y soy el coordinador de, de defensa de Grand School Pueblo. Y pues eh, me hicieron la invitación hace un año, soy una persona inmigrante, vengo de Puebla, también huyendo de los abusos físicos y 
verbales que me hicieron cuando iba creciendo y todo eso este, y salí huyendo de allá por mi vida de Puebla desde el 2005 estoy aquí y conocí a Transcurir Pueblo hace un año eh, me hicieron la invitación para visitar a las personas que están en el centro de detención este, cuando teníamos la oportunidad de entrar con el pasaporte porque eso es lo único que tenía el estado de Arizona de poder tener la oportunidad de visitar a, a gente con un pasaporte y estuve yendo a visitar a la gente y todo y fue algo grato para mí porque me di cuenta que había mucha gente de la comunidad LGBT que en algunas otras organizaciones no se preocupaban por esta gente o sea por mi comunidad y cuando empecé a visitar el centro de detención y todo eso conocí mucha gente de Haití, de India, de, de África, de, de muchos lados que ya tenían un año, año y medio, dos años ahí encerrados y que con el simple hecho de tener una visita estaban hasta se le corrían las lágrimas porque decían que estaban agradecidos conmigo por haberme tomado el tiempo de poder ir a visitarlos porque ellos nunca habían tenido una visita ni alguna carta pues eso fue algo gratificante para mí, este, después de ahí participé en el curso legal y curso de defensa donde Transcurir Pueblo se enfoca en empoderar a la comunidad y entre esas personas que estuvieron participando en ese curso pues el día de hoy estoy tratando de incrementar ese, ese empoderamiento que, que me dio Transcurir Pueblo de toda la información y todo eso y estoy el día de ahora pues participando como coordinador en, en el curso de defensa y creo yo que el objetivo de Transcurir Pueblo lamentablemente es no tener estas pérdidas como la vida de Roxana sino que en realidad tengamos una oportunidad porque muchas de nuestras vidas en mi caso personal yo digo que yo estoy vivo estos 12 años porque estoy aquí en Estados Unidos porque si yo me hubiera quedado allá en Puebla lamentablemente yo creo que ya no existiría entonces el tener esta oportunidad de poder sentirme en confianza y, y en, en estar en comunidad el, el darme cuenta que el día de ahora que yo estoy aquí parado digo soy un hombre algo que anteriormente yo no lo sabía o sea yo nomás pensaba que era diferente pero no tenía las palabras para expresarme y decir en realidad quién era porque no tenía la información tampoco de eso entonces cuando conocí también Transcurir Pueblo me, me dieron el la, 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 la información de, de las identidades y todo eso y me quedé pensando y dije, oh, yo soy un hombre yo soy ese de quien están hablando ¿verdad? entonces el día de ahora pues yo soy este David estoy participando aquí en, en la organización y el día de ahora que estoy viendo cómo el enfoque que tiene Transcurir Pueblo para que no pasen estas cosas de de que las pérdidas de, nuestras, de nuestros hermanos y nuestras hermanas o gente que está encerrada ahí ya por muchos años incluso me llegó una carta de un amigo de Haití que me hacía mención hace un mes que ya tenía dos años, dos meses ahí encerrado y que le daba mucha tristeza que ya no tenía la oportunidad de poder irlo a visitar que aunque sea con una carta ya aunque sea con eso se sentía pues apoyado no nomás que él me dice a ver si puedes hablar francés
enfocado en nuestra comunidad aunque estén ahí encerrados. Estamos tratando de ver la forma, solamente que necesitamos mucho apoyo, mucha gente que pueda ir a visitar a nuestra gente allá en el centro de detención porque ya no, ya no podemos nosotros con un pasaporte ya no se puede entrar. Podemos entrar pero tal vez ya no pueda salir, ¿verdad? Entonces tampoco quiero arriesgarme a eso, pero es la invitación que y el apoyo que yo he tenido de aquí de Transcurso, el, el que el día de ahora estoy orgulloso de ser un hombre transgénero, de ser parte de Transcurso Pueblo y de estar el día, el día de ahora pues con ese orgullo pero con esa tristeza de que la vida de nuestra hermana Roxana tuvo que fallecer en un centro de detención. Entonces, pues muchas gracias.
Entonces eso es lo que me identifica como que me conecta directamente con mi proyecto, en donde uh, las tres cosas que buscamos son, entre otras, es esa, ¿no? El respeto a nuestras identidades uh, en, 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 los, en los trabajos, en los lugares de empleo. Um, y sí, bueno, uh, completamente orgullosa de ser parte de Transcool Pueblo, de ser parte de esta comunidad uh, transgénero, pero visiblemente muy triste por situaciones de este tipo. Entonces, sin duda, hay que, hay que seguir haciendo, hay, tenemos mucho por hacer, tenemos mucho trabajo, Creo que, que no podemos parar aquí, sino que debemos continuar. Muchísimas gracias por el apoyo. Gracias, Italia. Gracias, David, Billy y Michelle. Y bueno, este, a todos por estar aquí, ¿verdad? Vamos este, a continuar con algunas consignas que tenemos aquí. Vamos a levantar un poquito la voz. Vamos a hacernos visibles. Necesitamos de repente gritar, ¿verdad? Porque es lo que quieren a veces y el manifiesto de nuestras voces, de nuestra lucha, de, nuestro, de nuestra unión es súper poderoso, ¿verdad? Para poderle demostrar a toda esta gente, a estas instituciones de ICE, a la policía, que no tenemos debilidad, ¿verdad? Que somos personas fuertes, poderosas, que estamos en unión, que estamos en comunidad, que necesitamos fortalecernos uno a uno para poder lograr todas estas exigencias y estas demandas que nosotros pedimos, ¿no? Entonces vamos a empezar con unas consignas que, que están por ahí. Si nos pueden acompañar, por favor. De este lado, si me pueden acompañar, uh, mi compañera va a decir una, la primera parte y la segunda parte la, la diré yo y la diremos todos juntos, ¿sale? ¿Qué queremos? Liberación de mujeres trans. ¿Cuándo? Ahora. ¿Qué queremos? Fin a la detención y deportación. ¿Cuándo? Ahora. Yo digo trans, ustedes. Power. Trans. Power. Trans. Power. Se siente, se siente el corazón. ¡Que tiemble, que tiemble! 
trans! ¡Ni una más! ¡Muerte trans! ¡Ni una más! ¡Muerte trans! ¡Se siente, se siente, se siente el corazón! ¡Que tiemble, que tiemble, que tiemble migración! ¡Se siente, se siente, se siente el corazón! ¡Que tiemble, que tiemble, que tiemble migración! ¡Se siente, se siente, se siente el corazón! ¡Que tiemble, que tiemble, que tiemble migración! de los centros de detención, ¿verdad? Es importante a veces, si no podemos visitar, 
hacer una carta, ¿verdad? Vamos a tener aquí un espacio, en esa mesa va a haber papel, va a haber este, plumones, plumas y sí, ¿no? material para poder escribir una carta, para poder pasar un mensaje de apoyo y de esperanza para esta gente en los centros de detención. Más adelante vamos a estar haciendo eso, ¿verdad? Los invito a que si pueden también, si tienen preguntas o dudas, pueden arrimarse a mí. Y si quieren ser parte de las visitas, yo les puedo dar un poco más de información de qué necesitan y cómo pueden involucrarse en el movimiento de la liberación por las personas en detención. Y pues bueno, este, yo quiero darle las gracias por haber estado aquí. Voy a darle una vez más lectura a, a, lo, a el por qué estamos aquí, ¿verdad? Solamente para recordar y para cerrar es que Roxana murió después de cinco días en custodia de ICE debido a complicaciones de neumonía. No está claro en qué condiciones estaba detenida, pero se, se informa que con frecuencia los, los solicitantes de asilo son detenidos en hieleras o celdas de, de congelación durante días. ICE demuestra una y otra vez que no es capaz de tener a personas trans en condiciones humanas por lo que no deberían ser detenidas por ICE jamás. Estamos aquí de luto por la muerte de otra mujer, Claudia Patricia Gómez González, asesinada en sangre fría por la patrulla fronteriza. En estas condiciones, nuestras exigencias es poder fin a la detención de mujeres trans. Más allá, exigimos que se desmantele ICE y la patrulla fronteriza de manera inmediata porque son instituciones creadas con la exclusiva finalidad de cazar, perseguir y encarcelar a comunidades de color inmigrante y LGBT. Nuestro proyecto, el proyecto de liberación de Transcuir Pueblo, trabaja organizándonos entre personas trans de color, inmigrantes, LGBT previamente detenidas, para apoyar a las personas LGBT en detención y para poner fin a la detención masiva de migrantes y personas de color de este, en este país entonces una vez más muchísimas gracias vamos a cerrar ahorita porque sabemos que tenemos que cerrar este siempre nuestros espacios verdad y asegurarnos de que nos llevemos nuestra energía y todo lo, lo podamos poner en este en un lugar seguro y nuestras este, compañeras puedan descansar en paz entonces ahorita van a volver a pasar la salvia para poder cerrar y si más adelante ¿Alguien quiere escribir cartas o saber un poquito más del el proyecto de liberación? Este, los invito a pasar a esa mesa y yo voy a estar ahí para darles información. Va a pasar este entonces este Dora la Salvia para poder cerrar este círculo y poder dejar que las almas de Claudia y de Roxana descansen en paz. Y este, ojalá y podamos poner fin a la detención y deportación y cerrar estas, estos centros de detención. ¿no? Entonces, muchísimas gracias una vez más y... Los invito a que cierren y curen sus, sus almas y sus heridas o sus sentimientos y emociones de este día. ¿no? Muchísimas gracias y por ahí va Dora. For today's online moment, we want to encourage you uh, to attend 
protests, vigils, and events um, that are not necessarily about your primary identities as a person. Um, this is a really important way to be an ally to other people in the community, including trans people. Um, but this is a way that anybody can show up and be an ally for other folks. Um, and I think Sam and I both experienced that this week um, at the vigil um, and protest uh, in uh, Roxana's memory um, that was held at uh, the ICE building here in Phoenix um, and was organized by Transcript Pueblo. Yeah, and this is, so Transcript Pueblo is a migrant-led and organized organization, um, and they are phenomenal. They do a great job. They do a ton of work uh, with not very many resources, um, and so this vigil was entirely in Spanish, and so, it, you know, I I live in Phoenix. I really should speak Spanish. I took two years of it. I did not. It did not compute. Um, and so sometimes I can sort of follow along, but it was, you know, there was a lot of it that I was missing. Uh, luckily, there was someone in the audience who was providing some translation services. But this is not an event that was like totally designed for me, yeah. white dude who doesn't speak Spanish. Um, and yet my presence was important there because um, – it, I think it's important as an ally to show up for the folks who are already doing the work and the folks who are expert at the work and have the answers. Um, and so when I show up and lend my support to that organization, it is lining up with the folks who get it, who who have the biggest stake in it. Um, and I will, you know, I can give them money. I can help them, you know, with whatever they need and hold up their voice um, with with my relative privilege of being white and passing right. you know, those are those are important things that i can do as an ally to that community yeah absolutely so i think the same can be said of uh going to protests or events um that the black lives matter movement is hosting um or that um have sprung out of the me too conversation right that are led by women and for women's experiences um both of those are great examples of uh, critical social justice movements, <laughs> right, mm -hmm. that are about the lives of black people, um, the lives of women in our communities um, that we can show up to and that I've experienced um, showing up to as um, a trans man, right, who's passing, um, who's light-skinned Latino, <laughs> you know, in these spaces. Um, it's not my story, right? This is not my identity, my experience, but I can show up as an ally um, and as someone who's willing to become an accomplice and to help with that work yeah. um, in a supportive role, not in a leadership role, right? Yep. <laughs> as someone who's willing to carry water, <laughs> right? Yep. And like do whatever it is that's necessary to help the people who are leading that movement and leading that work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whether it's carrying water or, you know, providing poster board for signs or donating to events exactly. or like walking with folks, yep. you know, there's there is something, you know, there's something to be said for uh, white folks and folks who pass as white mm -hmm. showing up at Black Lives Matter events and saying like this matters to us, too, yes. because it like we have an opportunity to say things that other white folks can hear in a different way. Yeah. Um, and it's important for us to stand up and say, we will not accept police brutality in our neighborhoods. We will not accept um, you know, the criminalization of black and brown bodies in our neighborhoods. We will not accept the detention and mistreatment of transgender women in our communities. Like, If white people stand up and say it, it's a way to, to join with the movements that are already happening. And yeah we can learn a lot from what folks have already done and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to tack on to what you're doing. Like, because I want to do what's the most important thing. 
Absolutely. Um, and I think there's always an opportunity for people of marginalized identities to show up for each other. Um, yes. So I can't say enough for black, brown and indigenous coalition organizing, you know, yes. like we don't have to we don't have to only do the work that pertains to our primary identities. Yep. We can show up and support other communities doing justice and equity work um, and that by doing that that brings all of our issues closer together and brings our struggle closer together and it makes it more likely that we're going to get to a place <laughs> that we actually want to get to yeah um, that we're working to get to as a whole community yeah none of us gets free till all of us get free exactly like i can't be my best until you can be your best exactly and so we need to we all need to be working together on those things yep Please tell me a story